Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. On today's show, we're discussing... Marcus Mariota putting his career out to pasture. The Rams 49ers tilt a little NFC West showdown. Jets and Cowboys, Sam Darnold is back. The Dallas Cowboys offense is back to being bad. Will Disley is out, but is there another receiver in Seattle that can make up for his absence? The Vikings and the Eagles face off in a battle of hopeful NFC contenders, and the Vikings show their true ceiling with Stefan Diggs' breakout game. The Chiefs have dropped two in a row at Arrowhead, and Nuke still isn't doing things. All that and so much more coming at you right now. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Liz Loza with Matt Harmon and producer Brett. And we are flying out of week six. Week six uh, feels like it went by quick. It did. It feels like today went by really quick. Like, you know, one moment we're on FFL, the next we're watching the Titans make a quarterback switch that made 0% difference. And I'm watching you make a transition that was so smooth. Hell yeah. So go ahead and talk about those fantasy implications. <laughs> Nothing. Zero. <laughs> I uh I last week I tweeted out the get or the 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 clip of, you know, the red woman from Game of Thrones, like back to back, side side to side her. Melora. Melisandre. Melisandra. The like, you know, red headed, beautiful version of her, yeah. and then the one where she takes off her uh her Crone. her necklace or whatever. Say like, hey, this is the Cowboys versus good bad teams versus good teams. Today, I just tweeted out Titans with Marcus Mariota and Mark with Ryan Tannehill, and it's just the crown, just the old lady version, back to back. Yeah, clever. Uh, it's really great. Whenever you can talk about a meme on a podcast, you, you got it. The second show in a row, you did it. Yeah, you got to do yep, it. Yep, we talked about how you did it last week too. Hey, the fantasy implications, as I mentioned, probably zero for this old Titans offense. I mean, just a disaster. By the way, Mariota, like he, his last pass. Perhaps as the Titans starting quarterback, it just under pressure, just heaves this pass downfield. And as soon as it left his hand and just like, and nothing good going to come out of that because that's not a Mariota throw. And sure enough, it led to the end of the Marcus Mariota era. I think I said this on one of our halftime live streams, but I face, I started Mark Walton, the backup running back in Miami in favor of Corey Davis. And he, in fact, Mark Walton, Outproduced Corey Davis. Three for 36 on five targets. Hell yeah. Leading receiver on the day, Adam Humphreys with 47 yards on six catches. So I think that that is something to keep an eye on if you're going to keep an eye on something because I also don't feel like Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill are that different from one another. They're kind of yeah. carbon copies of one another. Robotic. But I would 
not be surprised if all of a sudden um, Adam Humphrey starts getting peppered with more looks than he had in the Marcus Mariota era. He is, uh, he'll be Ryan Tannehill's new Jarvis Landry. I was going to say Jamison Crowder. Hey, both things can be true. Um, I'll come, I want to come back to a point on Mariota later, but we've talked enough about him on the top. Let's, let's, let's keep it rolling. All right. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about the Rams. I was going to say, let's talk about the Rams backfield, which definitely needs to be discussed. But as I was watching this game and I wrote down in my notes, are the 2019 49ers basically the 2018 Rams? Well, tell me on strong that. defenses. See that I don't think the Rams had a very good defense last year. I mean, their they had a lot of injuries. Had a bunch of injuries, but their their front seven was still pretty stout. And uh, and Sue was still on the team. He didn't light it up until the postseason, but mm-hmm. he was still there. Aaron Donald was still a beast. I thought that front seven could definitely dominate, and. There was definitely a focus on the run that certainly yeah. worked, and that is working for the, quote, schematic genius, Kyle yeah. Shanahan. And a highly efficient passer, too. I mean, sure. it's not to the same just explosiveness. explosiveness that we've seen in L.A. the last two years, but uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has been super efficient. 7.4 yards per attempt, 72.7% completion rate in this game. He doesn't throw any touchdowns. He ta- he fumbles the ball. He loses an inter- he has an interception, you know, whatever. But for the most part, like Jimmy has run the offense efficiently and hasn't really been asked to do very much. Um, so you could argue like, what's the ceiling for this team because of that. But I mean, straight up, like, I mean, also the Rams in this matchup do have a very good secondary that is. Yes. And to your point about the front seven, like, I think overall on the balance of the on on balance this year, the Rams defense has played really well. And I think they played well in this game, too. But like, especially that defensive front in San Francisco, I mean, they are one of the most transformed units in the entire NFL. And I mean, you could say whatever you want coming into this week about strength of opponent and who they beat. But the the 49ers absolutely manhandled the Bengals, manhandled the Browns. Like, I, I hate when people come back as, well, they haven't beat anyone. Well, yeah, but they beat the shit out of those teams. Like, it wasn't. They held Jared Goff to 78 yeah. yards. And now, yeah, in this game, I think this was a statement game by the 49ers. Like, go on the road in the division against a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, there's, there's obviously flaws, but. They completely manhandled the Rams in this And one. in fact, without Todd Gurley, you would expect the passing volume to grow in this matchup because defense, you would assume, would would dare Jared Goff to throw the ball, and the fool couldn't do it. Couldn't, he couldn't do, do it. it with a Kello Witherspoon in the secondary. And frankly, like, if the pass protection continues to be a huge issue in L.A. Note boom is out or injured. Yep, he, he left this game, didn't come back, um, and... It's been an issue all season long. Jared Goff's not the same guy under pressure. We know that. And twelve sacks now on the season after these four. Yep. And and it was a huge problem. And that 49ers defense is just I mean, it's really freaking good. good. Like Nick Bosa, total difference maker. Uh D Ford, DeFord. nice complimentary player. And and DeForest Buckner and all these other guys like Arik Armstead, Solomon Thomas, guys. Juan Alexander coming back from an ACL looking okay. That signing panned by everyone. Yep. And they've been Jimmy great Ward, all year. The safety all over the field. Yeah. Look, there's a reason I became a lifelong 49ers fan in the year 2019. There's a reason I predicted that's the team you were going to pick. Every yeah, you and you and everyone else. And look, it's a re- they're a really good team, I, and they're the only undefeated team left in the NFC. I think they're legit. I, I you could argue, we'll talk about this with the Vikings later. Like I think the Vikings have a great ceiling in their range of outcomes every week because even though they don't want to throw the ball, they can. 
I do still have questions about Garoppolo and like the rest of this passing game. Like, yeah, when they're running Kyle Shanahan's system and they've got George Kittle in wide open windows, they've got Dante Pettis in wide open windows, like things go well, but do they have a counterpunch? It's totally still fair to ask that question, but for them to come into this game down their starting right tackle, down, you know, Booger McFarland's league MVP pick, Kyle Juszczyk, and they still dominate this game. They've not been with Joe Staley. And they have been without Joe Staley for many weeks. From a fantasy point of view, like there's this isn't a tough offense to trust because the wealth is spread around. But I think that's good for the overall health of the offense. On the Ram side of things, let's now talk about the backfield because Todd Gurley was out with this thigh bruise that blindsided McVay. Or so he said heading into the week, we all expected a large amount of volume out of Malcolm Brown. Um, He actually only carried the ball 11 times, averaged 3.6 yards per carry. Daryl Henderson, the rookie, who we were all intrigued to see. What kind of, and I think a couple of weeks ago, you know, Sean McVay said, we got to unleash him at some point. And I suppose this was the week. He didn't see nearly as many carries, but he was far more explosive, which does not surprise anybody, right? He averaged 6.5 yards per carry and only saw two targets, caught one of those for nine yards. But of course, Malcolm Brown not getting any work in the receiving game. Yeah, I'm really curious as to like what the routes run were after out of here. Like was Daryl Henderson just the clear passing down back? Because if you go back in the way back machine here, uh, you remember that in the offseason, like the talk was that they drafted Daryl Henderson to be their Chris Thompson, who they previously signed Lance Dunbar to be their Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson West. Chris Thompson West. I, neither one of those things has worked out to this point. Maybe well, but also the target leader was Cooper Cup with six looks. So there yeah, wasn't this, a they were they couldn't sustain drives. Like they, they couldn't stay on the field because their quarterback wilts under pressure. And I mean, frankly, like, like a spinach salad. Yeah, you, you hate to see it. Um, and, and when there's this, uh, frankly, like McVay Sorry, hasn't did been spinach salad. Told you, oh, you're just thinking about was, like nice balsamic think, bacon reduction over there. If I can be quite honest, I was actually thinking about this very good chickpea pasta I made over the weekend with some uh, wilted mm. spinach in there, but. Uh, no one wants to hear about that. Uh, they <laughs> don't. Brett and Liz have both shaken their heads, and I'm sure everyone at home is, sh- is shaking their head too. But look, Sean McVay also, I don't think he's done a great – he's still working it out in terms of like how to adjust now that teams are starting to take away the Rams' first move. You know, So I think that is, is crucial. It's crucial, like a crucial catch almost. One could say that. So we had James Roday on the show last Sunday, and uh, James, who I share an NFFC team with, was quite loud about the fact that I opted for drafting Alvin Kamara over CMC and throughout the day because the uh, Panthers had the early 6 a.m. game, 6 a.m. on the West Coast, um, I was peppered with texts from James saying, uh, here's Alvin Kamara not doing Christian McCaffrey things. So the trend continues. He did enter this game with some knee or ankle issues. There was questions to whether he started. He was always going to start, y'all. I mean, we weren't worried about that, but... Obviously, he's underwhelmed considering some people, some people, potentially people in this room, (laughs) uh, number one overall. Yeah, it's been tough. I think you're going to see a different ceiling to this offense with Drew Brees in here because, like, yeah, I think you were right about that. Like, I poo pooed that whole take about the ceiling being shaved off because I looked at um, Kamara's YPC versus stacked boxes and it was fine. It was great. Yeah. Um, But I think you were right about the ceiling being shaved. So. Well, the thing, too, is, just, I mean, the whole offense, like, right, like Michael Thomas, Liz, we had a spirited conversation on our last halftime show about, like, wide receiver production. The Really, the one guy this year who's been the NFL's, like, metronome, just steady, steady, steady has been Michael Thomas. But really, the only game that he's had that ceiling game 
it's the same game that Teddy Bridgewater's had that ceiling five. game. Week five against the Buccaneers defense. And I think after looking like, wow, Todd Bowles has really turned this Buccaneers defense around, they have completely turned back into the same old goddamn Bucks. not just on the defensive side of the ball, but also their quarterback. Like they, They're not a team that, is anything but what we expected. Like this, yeah, you can't really run on them. See, your your boy CMC scored two touchdowns today, but average. <laughs> that's not my boy. Maybe I'm talking. To, I'm talking to James here. Your, your boy <laughs> CMC did score two touchdowns. Like that's the bottom line. But uh, he did average 1.4 yards per carry against this Bucks defense, and I think they. Like in a matchup like that, the Saints offense still had that ceiling game, but for the most part, they've been a a unit like this. Like Teddy manages the game. Kamara catches seven passes, which is not for nothing. 35 yards, though, that's it. I think we are going to see a much bigger ceiling game from them whenever Drew Brees does get back. This this game, like, just complete almost like it didn't even happen, you know, because there was so much talk about some of these players coming into it and just you know, no one did anything from a fantasy perspective. It's also interesting because it's not like Kamara isn't doing the work. He's like doing all of the dirty work and not getting any of the credit. Week three, 15 tackles evaded. Week four, 10 tackles evaded. Week five, seven tackles evaded. Like he's making things happen, but this offense, you're right, is just fine to win the game instead yeah. of push the pedal. Yeah. I mean, he also has uh, eight catches or eight, tar- an eight target game, a seven target game, a 10 target game, like in the spam without Breeze. Um, there's one three target game in there against Dallas. But like for the most part, there haven't been explosive games on the ground. And he also hasn't found the end zone since he did in uh, week, week three. three when he found it twice uh, in Seattle. So like that was the one game where like he was a true difference maker. And the funny thing is, like, I think he's still sixth or seventh coming into this week in yards from scrimmage. So he's had that. He's been a, he's been a floor play, which is exactly what we thought he might be. Well, it's what you thought offense. he would be. You can take the victory lap on it next week. He's at Chicago a very rested Bears defense that has to be angry after stewing for an extra week about their loss to the Raiders. So I don't like that, though. They did allow Dalvin Cook into the end zone to fall into the end zone. So you can't deny that Kamara has the chance of getting six. But then after that, things ease up. And this is actually around the time that Drew Brees might start to get ready. Week eight, Arizona. Week nine is the bye. I think Brees probably comes back in week 10 versus Atlanta. That would be the target. (laughs) That would be a juicy week to come back. Week 11 at Tampa Bay so that and then Carolina and then back at Atlanta so there is a good run happening you just have to compensate elsewhere for Kamara's shaved ceiling to quote you yep I think that's right Sam Darnold came back from mononucleosis yeah do you think that in fact he was prescribed or given some sort of anti-serum because he looked a little Marvel-esque yeah I saw uh talk about another internet meme. Uh I saw Trevor my buddy Trevor Sycama tweeted out like a gif of Thanos putting uh the one of the, the infinity stones into his thing and like that was how he reached what his is full this power. Thing? His hand? In his little arm hand glove thing. A gauntlet. That, sure. Uh, and that was Sam Darnold contracting mono, actually reaching the height of his full powers. Like kind of funny, you know, this is what he needed to take that next step was actually get mono. He put it to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I'm sorry. I suck. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> yeah, the Jets take it to the Cowboys. Almost blew that thing at the end, though. Almost did. But credit to Greg Williams. Just sent a full on out, all out blitz at uh, the Dallas Cowboys on the two point conversion. Full house blitz. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty ballsy stuff there by one Greg Williams. Uh, when it look when it goes well, it works. You know. So this morning during FFL, both Andy Barons and I. Upon 
giving our final thoughts for the episode, wanted to take a special look at how Sam Darnold's re-entrance into the Jets' offense would affect the other pieces, particularly Le'Veon Bell's. Le'Veon Bell does seem to be back to a certain degree. I mean, he wasn't particularly efficient on the ground, but he did score. And I think if you're a Le'Veon Bell owner over the past few weeks, you will take it. Well, you're looking, it's it's like we talked about with um, Alvin Kamara. Even if the individual performance, like whatever, give or take, it's all about like, are you going to get touchdown chances? That was a short touchdown that he converted into that touchdown, uh, Le'Veon Bell. So like the ceiling is back for the Jets offense. And I wrote in my um, week six preview column, like wondering, just how much better does Sam Darnold make the does does he make the Jets? Like obviously they're like the dead worst offense ever with Luke frickin' Falk back there. But do they become like the 15th, 12th type best? Is Sam Darnold that good to take them all the way up from the cellar to there? This was a really good test case for that. And like people that had been dead in the water for weeks started to come alive. Robbie Anderson, 92 yard touchdown. Jamison Crowder averaged 16.3 yards per catch. <laughs> That's like double what we saw in your, week one. Your boy, my Demarius boy, Thomas, Thomas. <laughs> third and team targets. 33-yard catch. A 33-yard catch. He's what back. year is this? Uh, also, Ryan Griffin in the Chris Herndon role finds the end zone. He does. You know, so that's good news for you Chris Herndon truthers who maybe in 2023. He'll finally be back. Yeah, I, I mean, this was a great great showing for the Jets offense like last week when I'm asking you like is Adam Gase one and done like is this a possibility here more performances like these will show you okay Sam Donner really is the tide that lifts all boats here they're not just this offense but for this entire team also what does this say about Dallas like I am worried about Dallas because last week they got beat on the ground this week they get beat through the air They cannot stay stay consistent. I mean, you mentioned your meme. You described it in fantastic detail at the top of the show. We don't need to do it again. I I just rewind it if you're with the listener and go back to the top of the episode, start the whole thing over again and listen to it. So are you worried about this defense from a matchup standpoint? Or are they just sort of a beatable middle of the pack, regardless of whichever weapon you are trying to exploit against? I think they're one of the many defenses in the NFL that doesn't move the needle either way. Like, they're not... One of these defenses, like the Bucks, where it's like every everyone in the pool, you know, like start all your players that are going against. The, yeah, they're yeah, they're the Falcons, where it's like you got a Arizona. player playing the Falcons, throw them in there, and then it's they're also not a unit like I don't know who are even the good defenses like San Francisco, like San Francisco. I mean, you would say like the Chicago Bears of twenty eighteen, where it's like oh anyone playing the Bears, you're in trouble. Like Denver has stiffened a little bit, stiffened. But th- this is what I'm saying. There's so many of these defenses where it's like New Orleans. They just don't move the needle one way or the other. Like some week you could have an explosive week against them. Others, like they'll be fine. Like they have Dallas has really good players at all levels of the defense, but just not to the point where I'm real nervous starting anyone against them or on the other end, like I'm getting everybody. You know, it, today it kind of was everyone had did a little bit of something mm-hmm. here for the Jets, but I, I don't know that that's normally going to be the case. I'm a little more concerned. Like Dallas's offense is troubling too. Amari Cooper leaves this game, never comes back. He had been in a weird way had been saying like, well, I've played through injuries before. I'll be fine. Well, eventually like eventually the, the Grim Reaper comes for all of us all, my friend. And like he leaves this game. I, I don't remember what the injury was, a uh, quad injury or the something. Quad injury and he had pretty significant pain. Yeah, I mean that's this, like you keep playing through injury, <laughs> this is going to happen and Dak has pretty severe splits with and without Amari, Amari Cooper. Yep. It's also worth noting that Amari versus home and Amari away is also two different Amaris. True. And 
Dallas also was missing its top two tackles mm-hmm. in this game. So there, and we a, saw that last week because also Dak, if you want to get paid the money, you got to play clean, right? And you could argue that I mean Dak Prescott had had some moments today where he looked like that elevating type quarterback, but the problem is like maybe and to the same point about uh, that I just made with defenses, I think Dak falls somewhere within that like top. 12, 15-ish quarterbacks in the NFL where it's like, everything is going great. Cool, you're Jared Goff. Like, give him the damn contract because he can he can win when everything is going right. You know, early in the year, Dallas is fully healthy. They've got Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. They're They've got an offensive opponents. line. They're facing soft opponents. Like, Devin Smith is popping. Randall Cobb looks aight. Uh, Jason Witten is finding the end zone. Like, all things were working for Dallas. You've got your quarter, you've got your offensive coordinator calling good plays. I think Dak can not just be good, but be great when all things are right. But you have to certainly acknowledge it. Of late, things have not been all right. For Would Dallas. you argue that perhaps one of the issues in Dallas is that before Kellen Moore took over, we knew what the identity was, right? The offense flowed through Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm not saying it doesn't anymore because he was certainly the most productive of the carries. Cowboys players, right? But Kellen Moore couple of weeks ago we were saying was exciting because he's opening this offense he's giving this team options but now I'm not sure sometimes they say too many choices is a bad thing right I am wondering now and Brett you can confirm this that it was either Therese or Charles said on last week's episode of the Yahoo NFL podcast that Kellen Moore as a former quarterback is great at adjusting when he's calling the plays but he has trouble setting a tone and finding out what the like initial objective of the game should be. Yeah, I don't remember which one. I would recommend subscribing and listening to the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast. But yeah, the point was that he's not great at the scripting, right? We're used to teams coming out with their first 15 or so plays being scripted, something that the players work on at the uh, latter half of the week. And that hasn't really worked well for So he can adjust because as a former quarterback, he knows how to do that, but he doesn't really know how to set the story I set the story into motion. Exactly. So we've set seen, the narrative. Exactly. We've seen the Cowboys come out and not look great to start off games, but you know, coming out of the second half, they you know they almost come back and win against yep. the the Jets today. We were seeing a lot of them almost uh, same thing against the Packers up. a week or right. two ago. They're playing catch up a lot. That yeah. actually makes sense. And that is because of the play calling. And I just think that's fascinating, also from a fantasy point of view, because it does make all of these pieces viable. Yeah. Ezekiel Elliott remains you know, the best running back in football from a fantasy perspective. Michael Gallup is a damn stud. I mean, he might have only had 48 yards today, but he got seven targets. If Amari Cooper is out. Dropped one, yeah. But Michael Gallup's going to continue to get volume. He's a great player. He separates fantastically. I am interested to hear your take, however, on if Amari is out, who is the second option? Or is there not one because it's sprinkled throughout Dalton Schultz and Cedric Wilson and Jason Witten and all the uh, Tavon Austin's getting some six targets. Ugh. Like, Yeah, Tavon Austin led the pass catchy group in, in yards today. That. It's not what you want to see. Um, last, when Michael Gallup left the lineup, uh, Devin Smith played, like, all the snaps. But he's hurt now. But he's hurt now. So now, you, I mean, I just think, I really do think it's probably just going to be a little too spread out. And again, if we're talking about this offense scaling back the ceiling, I'm pro- like, when when they were firing on all cylinders and, you know, they're dunking on the Dolphins and dunking on Washington, dunking on New York, then it's like, cool, yeah, I'm, I'm down to take a flyer on Devin Smith or Randall Cobb or one of these guys. But when they're not performing up to those expectations, then I think I'm not. I, like, I'm messing with the core players, which is, you know, Zeke, Gallup, Dak, 
And that's probably it. Because Amari's hurt. And also Cobb was yes. out this week, too. Um, You know who else got hurt? And this one hurts. This one. This hurt hurts me personally. Will Disley left with a, what turned out to be an Achilles tear. It was a non-contact leg injury rolled in Achilles. So he's probably out for the year. The tight end landscape continues to be just a mess. And Will Disley was becoming such an exciting player. Such a great story. Such So fun to watch. The the Seahawks were scheming for him. It really looked like he was not the engine, but maybe like one of the Pistons <laughs> that, that ran this offense. I like that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Seahawks offense had looked like it really found a great trio for Russell mm-hmm. Wilson. And Chris Carson, by the way, did work again today, his third straight 100-yard game. He has clearly, he's clearly been really good uh, for this team. So they've been great. Um, on the, in the running game, but in the passing game, Tyler Lockett has been thriving as a number one receiver. Uh, he almost scored a touchdown today, had 75 yards. Um, your boy Will Disley has been great. And DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf, by the way, like it's not too early to say. So efficient. It, it, I did not see that coming. It, it is not too early to say that they hit like a home run, like they got a total steal at the end of the second round. Because just right now, at worst, he looks like a quality starter, and they're using him the right ways. You know, they're only having him run a handful of routes, only really lining him up in one spot, having him just do the same thing over and over again. So that speaks to that efficiency. When I mean, Brian Schottenheimer, hats off, like, baby, you you figured out that just ask my guy to do the one thing he does well, and he'll do it. Like, it's a bummer, though, that Will Disley is removed from this equation, especially after they just traded Nick Vanette not but a few weeks ago. I mean, why tight end's got to be great. Wait, what is it? Hold on. Why a tight end got to be great till Until a tight end need great. to be great? Oh, Shout out this, to Lizzo. The game never used to have a bad tight end. <laughs> uh, you <laughs> no. guys know I, Lizzo and I aren't quite the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> why a tight end got to be great till a tight end's got to be great. No, why a tight end great until a tight, tight end, end gotta, gotta be great? great. Yeah, oh yeah, no why gotta, a man great till they gotta, gotta be great? great. Yeah. Why a tight end great, great till they gotta, gotta be great. great? This is a Lizzo song? Yeah. Yeah, bro. It's oh, okay. the well, one that I'm everyone too knows. Old. What do you it, mean? I'm too old. Okay. Alright. Anyway. Moving on. Brett's uh watch your tiny desk appearance. Great, great. Great She's very talented. I like her music, but I just don't I don't listen to any of it. I'm familiar with like the two or three songs. I like and, her music, but I don't listen to any of it. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah, appreciate I'm an old man. Her. I'm an old man. I'm like, You're oh, not yeah. an old man. You appreciate Lizzo for the f- queen that she is. Of course I do. But you it's, would prefer to listen I, to like some sad I listen to like Stephen Malkmus and like old I mean, that old sounds man. like a character on Boy Meets World. I don't even know. Talk about being old. <laughs> Shout out to Boy Meets World here in the year 2019. <laughs> Shout out to Liz for calling the Will Disley breakout. Uh, sad, sad to see it end. And like the this. Lizzo. Ref. Shout out to Liz Loza, or Liz Loza, Lizzo uh, <laughs> for the for the Instagram name Lizzo be eating. One of the best of all time. You know who else is going to eat potentially without Will Disley in the lineup, or at least he did in week six? Jerron Brown, baby. Two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. And Matt, you know this, heading into week six, he spent 38% of his time in the slot. Almost like we did a video on that earlier. What? Jerron Brown is owned in 0% of Yahoo leagues. Could he see, I almost say yes, could he see a larger role now that Disley is no longer active? We'll see what we were talking about earlier with 
um, the Cowboys when, oh boy, like some injuries start happening, things are going off script. We're not necessarily interested in coming down the range to some guys like, you know, Cedric Wilson or whatever. Um, but here in Seattle, the offense is running at peak efficiency. Russell Wilson is the MVP candidate through six weeks. Um, yeah, then we are interested in the number three receiver. Also, Jerron Brown, I mean, like I, I would have imagined it was David Moore, but then finding out that Jerron Brown is seeing those targets in the middle of the field, which is obviously where Disley worked some. I am interested in him, and there is a, an off-again, on-again relationship between the Seahawks and Jerron Brown, so maybe he's the one that got away and now they want him back. Sure. Definitely happens. Could Why are you thing. shaking your head, Brett? I don't know. I, I, I was trying to think of someone who got away. From you? Yeah. <laughs> Brett's in a real vulnerable spot. I was trying to like play along with the bit there. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, the Vikings are playing along with a bit quite well. At least Kirk Cousins is. And the bit that he is trying to play along with is quarterback who efficiently puts the ball in the air How two nice. weeks in a row. Yeah. Um, man. <laughs> See, this is the thing I was talking about earlier. Like the this Vikings. This is your ceiling argument, which I think is quite good. Like we have You're seen, welcome. we have seen, thank you. We have seen teams like the Texans and the Bengals just find their way into the playoffs, like through the mid, in the mid 2010s or whatever you're supposed to call them. Um, like the mid from decadots? I have no idea. Uh, but anyways, like the, the yeah, the decadots, uh, <laughs> from the year like, you know, 2010 to, I don't know, like, uh, just the like last few seasons before like the Texans got to Sean Watson and they might have a better uh, ceiling. Like you saw those teams fart their way into the playoffs like every year with while well, everyone knew that they weren't going anywhere because they don't have any ceiling. The Vikings, however, like they have the floor to be that team because they have one of the best running games, one of the best defenses in the NFL. But what they've shown us over the last two weeks that when they want to. Like when the matchup is advantageous, when you're playing a team with issues in the secondary, like both the Giants and the Eagles have, you have two unbelievably talented receivers that you can flow the offense through and a quarterback who has all sorts of problems, but has shown that he can be productive in, in the right spot. So that's the type of ceiling that takes a team from being that's it's like the 2017 Eagles who beat these Vikings in the playoffs like they had a great defense they had a great roster set up but when Nick Foles went nuclear they also had a play ceiling. caller that was willing to be flexible and I am not sold that Mike Zimmer is willing to be flexible if the matchup isn't requiring him to do something other than he wants uh, and that's a huge problem when we're talking about like I, th I think the roster is set up for them to have that ceiling. It just is this weird stubborn. I think it's actually a pretty good sign that of the last two weeks, they've realized like, okay, we've got two chirping receivers. But Matt, at the Giants versus Philadelphia, he's completed 22 passes in back-to-back -back weeks. He's gone over 300 yards in back-to-back -back weeks. I don't think you do that at Detroit. Like, I don't think you're, I don't think that Mike Zimmer, I think you look at those two secondaries and even, even we are sitting here saying like, please air it out. Also, well, the trade deadline's coming, like, please air it out. And so he does it. But I don't think that it is within the ethos of this team to not hammer the run if you are explicitly told you'll be a dummy if you do it. Yeah, then Mike Zimmer's a bad coach. Uh, if this that, remains if that's, to be seen. If, I mean, that's the, if that's the case... If you can, if you're so stubborn that you have to go down swinging the only way you know how, and you can't see like, 
oh, wow, when we unleash Stefan Diggs, he scores three freaking touchdowns. And yeah, it's against a bad secondary, but it's the same argument about the 49ers earlier. Like, there's a difference between, like, oh, yeah, Stefan Diggs, he's facing the Eagles and he got 85 yards and a touchdown. Like, great. Glad we started him in fantasy between the he goes and thumps him he also for three. Had, I mean, but he had a decent week four against Chicago. Yep. And then was not used in week five at the Giants. I think it's going to be a rocky road for these receivers. Like, I'm not saying, like, oh, great, now it's top 12. I'm just saying more from, like, a real-life perspective. I think that in the playoffs, if they're, you know, down seven points against, I don't know, the damn Eagles again. Like, you have this, in, this, you have this capability in your range of outcomes to be a team that can be really good through the air when you want to be like, no, from look, I don't think the equation has changed all that much from fan, from a fantasy perspective that you know what Diggs' floor is, which is scary low. And you know what his ceiling is, which is his floor shouldn't be so scary low, I guess is the point that I'm trying to I make. I completely agree with you. But if unfortunately I, I think that I think they have a, a little bit of like an over like this, this whole run thing is an overcorrection from when Mike Zimmer got pissy about uh, what's Seattle, the Seattle Flip. game of last year yep. where Flip got fired for not wanting to put the ball on the ground. Sure. We should also mention that it wasn't just Stefan Diggs. That, oh, well, here's actually the point. So Adam Thielen went off last week. This week, Diggs goes off, though. Thielen did see eight targets and he did score. He just only had 57 yards. Is this an offense? And I think you're saying yes. And I, I will say yes, that um, only has so much uh, passing production to support, to really oh. support one of these receivers. And you're not going to ever have to guess which it is. Yep. I agree. with. I do agree with that. Okay. Let's talk about the backfield only because there were people during our live streams who felt who seemed a little shook about the fact that Alexander Madison had 14 carries uh, to Dalvin Cook 16 and that this felt a little bit split. To me, <laughs> this was something wise that Zimmer did because and it's kind of a tell because if you want Dalvin Cook to be the engine of the offense in a week where you don't need him to be, why not keep his legs fresh, especially when you look at his injury history and the matchup too? like it's a. Sure. Madison ended up running fine. And I think he's good, too, by the way. Like Madi him. Madison looks good out there. He was a third-round pick for a reason. They talked about him as their, quote-unquote, Latavius Murray. That role hasn't developed, except this week we saw some of it. But, like, for the most part, I think he's a good player. So you, it's nice to have that second counterpunch, considering you want this to be your team's strength. Yeah, I think that was a smart move by them to not just drill him into the ground, you know, when they're controlling the action. My boy, Jordan Howard. My boy. Your boy, Jordan Howard. You. Yeah. 49 yards on 13 carries. I would, I did fearless forecast for him this week. And I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he had no catches. Correct. Yeah. I think I can, I've over forecasted him for 58 yards and that's it. But the point being in that was like, this was just a really tough matchup. You, you don't want to be playing Jordan Howard in a condition like this, despite all the touchdowns. Something to keep an eye on though. Miles Sanders was the third running back touchdown that came via the air when facing the Minnesota Vikings. So I don't know if that's going to bear out, but he did catch three of three for 86 and a touch. So I, I am just going to see if a trend develops there. By the way, Miles Sanders has four catches of 30 or more yards in six games. That's like four catches of 30 plus yards. He's like been the only big play threat for the Eagles. Like this team without Deshaun desperately Jackson. needs Deshaun Jackson back. We'll see. There's a tear in his abdomen. That doesn't sound particularly good. I've never torn my abdomen, but I'm guessing it takes a while to heal. Nope. I would imagine it's not fun. Uh, all right. Um, Texans Chiefs. Another nug. Matt, you were full of nugs this week. Yeah, the um, Texans have not allowed a sack in the last two games. That is considered to be their biggest 
problem area. Uh, it's not shown up the last couple of games. Um, look, I mean, they played the, let's be clear, they played the Falcons. The Falcons, Liz, you can rush the passer as well as anyone on the Falcons. I'm huge. Very imposing figure. See, I see you as more of a Dwight Freeney type. Like, you can get her, you can do that spinning. Oh, get I can a, wiggle. Get a, yeah, you got on around sure. the edge real well. And then, of course, they play the Chiefs. They were without Chris Jones in this one. Uh, Frank Clark has obviously not been what they'd expected so far. So, not exactly a ferocious pass rush uh, teams that they played the last couple of weeks, but it's an improvement. And we should also mention, though, that Titus Howard, their rookie tackle, did leave this week's game with an injury so keep an eye on that because that could obviously be a step backwards if you were to miss time yes um but the the texans like i thought this was a big a big stage for them huge going into arrowhead which is i believe as you've told I mean, me i've is, heard i don't know it's a tough place to play wouldn't know based on the last two weeks as uh, they've dropped it to two afc south teams Boom, bring the heat Harmon. uh but like deshaun watson to go in out duel and injured patrick mahomes Mahomes throws his first interception. This is the type of game where you wonder about the Texans and, the, and their potential ceiling. 42 passing attempts for Deshaun Watson, 35 for Patrick Mahomes. So this was a battle. Um, Patrick Mahomes, three touchdowns, 273 yards. I mean, mm, yeah, that's not Mahomesian. It isn't. Um, and I, but this goes back to the point we were making on Thursday's podcast, which is like, Mahomes, is he the fifth best? Mahomes looks like the fifth or sixth best quarterback in the league. And Watson answered the call to be more than that, to be like, oh, can I be the third best quarterback in the league? And I mean, honestly, Watson, he has, he has this moments where he, you know, kind of sticks his head in the sand and really makes some mistakes. Um, but when he plays, unchained like this the results are really good from both from both a real life and a fantasy perspective I mean, he scores 31 fantasy points in this game obviously because he did a lot of work on the ground too um carried two touchdowns in but like this is what makes it, it just what it's just god you watch a quarterback like this and then you watch quarterbacks like matt ryan who have like no mobility and it's just like man this really brings you such a different dimension to your team and it brings a breathlessness I think, to watching it, which is the most exciting piece of it. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, again, the target leader with 12, caught nine of those for just 55 yards. This is kind of what started the argument, right? No, it was OBJ. It was OBJ, and then I brought up the point about Hopkins. So he's still a clear-cut wide receiver one, regardless of matchup for you. You're not jilted at all or tilted. No, I mean, my point to you earlier was that, like, I think, I mean, this is just how it happens with wide receivers, right? Like, there's a lot of volatility in their production. Like, point to the guy this year who hasn't been that way. I mean, Michael Thomas, I guess, is the one guy Keenan who you could say. Even Keenan Allen had, like, 18 yards last week against the Broncos. Okay, but there's, that's one game. There has there have been I plenty get of get-right spots for DeAndre Hopkins and OBJ, and they haven't gotten it right. The fact that the... It's different, I think, in Houston because Houston, you have a quarterback playing well. Like you're, you in, didn't have as many off-season flowery articles, and so no. expectations weren't the same either. No, the reason that I'm with Hopkins, I think I'm. I mean, I'm, there's no doubt it's tilting, right? Like because he has done nothing really since week one. I mean, nine catches is is not nothing, but for the most part, like yeah, you haven't seen. He hasn't found the end zone since week one. I'm but the volume is 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 he was here in this game when they needed to open it up. Um, just a couple like I his think usage probably, isn't sexy. That his usage isn't 
highlight reel in the like big I mean Will Fuller is the one who's getting all of the like gorgeous downfield opportunities dropped freaking half of them <laughs> well in this one he caught three touchdowns last week he dropped three potential touchdowns this week life has a way of evening itself out indeed and Kenny Stills who wasn't active for this game is also the other like field stretcher and I think DeAndre Hopkins I made this point on on the live stream what is being used in clutch moments in real life important moments but those aren't always they're chain-moving moments. They're win-the-game moments. They aren't fancy fantasy production moments. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was my argument against him as the the number one receiver this year was that there's a lot of more options. There's a lot more options in the offense this year. And I think that's, that's also true in Cleveland, too, with Odell Beckham. The, the thing is just, like, the Browns look to be a, in a bit more chaos. Like, Freddie Kitchen still has not figured this thing out. Uh, Baker Mayfield, like, this was going to be my point about Marcus Mariota earlier is that evaluating young quarterbacks is still the hardest thing to do in the league because like you can honk all you want about Baker Mayfield sucking this year but like guy set the rookie touchdown record last year you know it's tough like Jared Goff in year one looks like a total dust ball and then the last couple of years he looks great and then now he looks like kind of a dust ball again I think so much about these quarterbacks is just the conditions that they are in and I think you can go from like no one goes from Deshaun Kaiser bad to then being like a great starting quarterback but you can go from like you can swing anywhere from where Baker Mayfield is right now to where Baker Mayfield was last year and I still don't think we know who the hell he really is and Marcus Mariota is that guy that like at different points of his career people wanted to crown him because of his great touchdown rate not he's always turnovers. had mechanics and he's never fixed them yeah so and that's like that's the thing too Carson Wentz another player great example like it, well, at his different players, points, the guys in the locker room don't like him. But this is, I mean, it's just from an on-field, from an on-field perspective. Like he, at one point in his rookie year, like towards the end of it, he's like, man, he has like Blake Bortles mechanics. He's really starting to break down. And then he's like an MVP candidate in September. So I don't quite know what my point is there. But like these guys, like Baker Mayfield is another player that like it, I would not shock me one bit if come week 10, like these two guys just figure it out because we both, kn- we know they're good and we're just firing away same with Watson and Hopkins like it won't surprise me if in a couple of weeks like I mean this is my point about like sometimes the answer in fantasy like what's going on with with Hopkins what's going on with Beckham sometimes it's just happens right like yes that is sometimes the answer but I think from a fantasy perspective you are trying to figure out the why so that you can strategize for your own fantasy squad so like you can't say there is an absolute possibility we all know what OBJ ceiling is we all know what Hopkins ceiling is and so we're chasing that ceiling right so if it's not working there is also a like hey what is the formula and it's an unknowable thing but this is why we play like what is the formula to make sure I don't F myself or, yeah. you know, like in, in until that thing clicks, because we wouldn't assume it would click if there wasn't potential for it to click. Yeah. And I think that's just adjusting expectations, right? Like it's just. Yes. Yeah. It is adjusting expectations. Um, hope is poison. <laughs> hope. Well, that we definitely agree on. Tyreek Hill is still a stud. He scored two touchdowns. Don't worry about any. Uh, I will ask you one more question. Don't worry about any rust was the end of that thought. Um the backfield in Kansas City, I had a lot of questions about it heading into this week. There's still questions of coming out of this week. LaShawn McCoy, I'm going to say something. LaShawn McCoy is now like an early down grinder yeah, at 30. Yeah. And by, yeah, I mean, he looks like he should be an early down grinder, too. I don't think he's looked like that great this year. Nope, but it's Damien Williams who's getting like the pass catching options last week. It looked like, granted, McCoy had 
fumbled, and so who knows if that's some weird punishment thing that it looked like Damian Williams back from injury um, was supposed to be the RB1, the featured back in this backfield. Are there any answers here for you other than the fact that McCoy is going to be the uh, early down back and Damian Williams is going to be like the explosive third down option? Yeah, Williams was in on 18 plays in this one, and 17 of them were passing plays. So, like, that is some clarity to his role. Um, and it also could be the it's not but it's not really a game script situation right because coming out the first quarter Kansas City had a 17 to 3 lead now then they give up 20 freaking points in the second quarter 20 unanswered points in the second quarter so I don't know that there's really like a game script answer or anything like that I just I think right now they just don't they've not settled on who their running back is I think they're still trying to kind of I honestly I think they're still kind of trying to figure it out like Daryl Williams um, Daryl with one L mm-hmm. Williams, uh, he catches one long one for 52 yards. I think they're as much as us still, still searching for answers in the backfield. OJ Howard owners have been looking for answers since jump. I jumped off the bandwagon in that week against the Giants, but heading into this week, hope became poison again because left left, which said it was coming. Arians talked him up. I mean, from a personal perspective, dudes, I love you. Some might argue too much, but if I believed every promise a guy made me, I'd be living in a trailer park in Desplaines, Illinois. Shout out, by the way, to my Aunt Barb, who's hanging out at the Oasis past 53. Shout out to Barb. For sure. It didn't happen. Now there are trade rumors. Yeah. He's droppable, right? Like, I'm I'm not waiting till Halloween to no. see if he lands someplace, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, the problem is, like... And I- Who else are you going to? I understand he's like wildly athletic, so maybe he pops and the whole landscape is nuts. But well, would yeah. you drop him just so you could stream instead of being beholden to this roster oh, spot? No question. I mean, he is, trust me, as someone that's got the O.J. Howard uh, ankle or weight tied around his ankle on pl- and plenty of rosters. I think you just sitting there looking at it like, OK, am I am I? Am I going with O.J. Howard or am I chancing a streamer? That sort of thing. And oftentimes I look at the tight ends out there and I'm like, I'll just go ahead and play O.J. Howard over Jason Witten. And usually that ends up being a mistake. (laughs) So release it. Release the hope. Yeah. It is poison. I will say your hopefulness about Curtis Samuel, though, did work out at least in week six. Yeah, I mean, this this Bucks defense has turned back into the pumpkin, as I mentioned earlier, two sacks over the last two weeks. Kyle Allen and Teddy Bridgewater, while they've played winning football, have started to, they they we know who they are right Kyle Allen's it, Kyle Allen is a good backup quarterback but not a guy that's about to take Cam Newton's job give me a break with that and Teddy Bridgewater is an efficient game manager and, and against Tampa Bay they're unloading passes left and right and uh, both manage pass rating north of 100 so great matchup for Curtis Samuel in this one but I mean yeah this is this is a player a player as talented as him in an offense that has a lot of weapons and can move the football when when it's when it's rolling this is always in the range of outcomes. I'm going to give you the next three weeks for a player running back that is now in a run-first offense that went for over 100 yards. You ready? And you're going to tell me how excited you are to play him week to week. I'm all right. No. Versus San Francisco. At Minnesota. Nope. At Buffalo. Bye. So another month. But this guy did go for over 100 yards, and man— his current coach, head coach, says he really wants to feed this running back. Are you buying or selling? This is kind of like your unboxing series. Yeah, except I looked at the outline for once and I know who you're going to ask about. Are you buying Adrian Peterson? No! <laughs> yeah, 
We don't need to talk about it, guys. I just gave you a schedule. If you started him today, congratulations. Take the victory lap and make some room on your roster. That is going to be us. We are going to make some room for more hashtag content coming up. We'll be back on Friday, y'all. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And we are 